I could talk. I could talk very honestly to my to my journal. And I had I'd never written before. I was a a technical writer. You know, my background was law. Right. And I was I was just pouring my thoughts, my feelings out on paper, and it was really cathartic, as you say. It was it was really valuable. Okay, hi folks, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I'm Dr. John Duffy. I am your host for these proceedings as always, and as always, I so appreciate you protecting some time for myself and my guests, and hopefully we help you undo some of the undue anxiety you might be suffering. Um, today I am talking with a very interesting man. His name is Brent Williams, and he is the author of a book called Out of the Woods. We're going to talk about the nature of that book in just a moment, but first, Brent, I want to welcome you. Thank you, John. It's great to be on your show. It's great to have you uh, on my show. This is the first show I've done uh, internationally. You are you are where today? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> so we're, we're halfway across the globe from one another. Um, so what's interesting to me about, about your, your book is, first of all, I always think it is an act of exceptional bravery and courage to tell one's own story um, so that other people can benefit from it. So you are talking about your journey through anxiety and depression here, correct? Mm, yeah. Yep, totally. Yeah, mm. yeah, and um, but but you do it a different way than some people do. Like so, there are plenty of memoirs out there that I've seen and I've read um, uh, about anxiety and depression. Yours is a graphic memoir in kind of the graphic novel style. Um, a a mm. beautiful book, by the way, beautifully written, and and the illustrations are are just um, gorgeous. How did you decide to go that route with your book? Well, there are actually so many reasons why I did. Some I was absolutely unaware of. And um, so there are the obvious ones and they're the not so obvious ones. I mean, the, the obvious one was when I was depressed, I couldn't read, even though reading was very much part of my profession and part of my job. You know, I literally would start a sentence and if I had the energy to get the book in front of me, I'd start a sentence and I'd peter out about halfway through the line. Wow. And then I'd go back and start the line again. And then the words would just blur and it would just be like too hard and I'd push it away. So this was how I felt. So I wanted to reach people with some good messages, good self-help messages about, about the, these illnesses at that stage, not when they were stronger and better so and it was just to me it was like well what does work when you're depressed your emotions then your emotions are just wide you know wide open and pictures are a great way of and personal story and pictures are a great combination for connecting with people you know i remember when i was depressed i was too i was too sensitive i was too open you know but it, stuff could get to me that way doctor's advice good good books and with lots of bullet points about, you know, 10 steps to get out of depression, they were never going to connect with me. So I needed to connect with the heart. So I needed to share my story and I needed to connect with the emotions and I needed to make it visual. That was a very strong, a very strong thing. But the less obvious reason, which has sort of come to me more recently, is that it took me so long to understand depression and anxiety. Yeah. And I think for me, I needed to under, I needed to describe them in a, using metaphors and in a visual way. I needed to give 
them a shape so that I could actually wrestle with them and see them, have conversations with them. So, you know, I gave depression a form, this dark, death-like character. And with him came his wolves, his dogs, who were chasing me, hounding me, and they were they were the symbols for anxiety. So, I mean, once I got that, which was very sort of came to me quite quickly, I, I was sort of able to write the book a lot easier. Well, that's interesting. I knew who I knew who I was. I knew who I was working with, yes. and of course, that was part of my process of getting well. <laughs> that's why I wrote the book. Right. So this was this was um, this was for the reader, but this was also catharsis for you. Huh? This this was your manner of healing. Um, and I get your point about like you know, um, I've written self help books, and 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 I know that sometimes we want to oversimplify and say, boy, if you just do these ten cognitive little exercises, you will, you are on your way to a happier life. Um, and sometimes I think there is a fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of depression and anxiety in just the idea of that, just the idea that you are going to be able to muster the energy for this kind of thing. Um, when, mm. when you're in the depths of depression and anxiety, is that, is yeah. that part of what you've run into in your work, in your self-work? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So right from the start, I wanted to say, where is the reader? I knew who I was at that point. What did I need? I didn't need anything other than somebody to put their arm around me. Yeah. So early in the book, there's this character who appears who does just that. He literally puts his arm around and says, come on, I'll help you through this mess. And slowly and gently, with lots of pitfalls and stumblings and, you know, the, the, the characters get there. Um, and that's what I wanted to show. And I could show it visually by literally creating these characters. So, um, and that's what I needed. And the book was, so the book was doing this for me. I was creating the tool that was doing it for me. The reader was, the, my audience was almost irrelevant at this point. It became more relevant later. But at this point, I was writing this book for myself very much, creating these characters, depression, anxiety, the helper and wrestling with what was going on inside me and my mind through this graphic through this graphic novel i don't think i could have written it in a prose way i, yeah. I, I needed to i needed to make it visual and um, it's how i thought it's how i what and it's what i used to help me get well i love the moment of of that character putting his arm around you um, and i've wondered um, as i looked at that i, I remember wondering um, is that Brent himself? Is that, is that you helping you, or is that somebody? Did you have somebody in mind as the helper? You know, um, or was that just always um, some part of you? Well, it was very much me, um, uh, but I describe it in a way that that me is is like the the wisdom I found to get well, and it might have been a, just a very dim moment, and it might have taken a long time to grow and get stronger, but it was still there. I mean, I didn't take my life. I got well, and I wrote a book. So yes. I'm very for, I'm very fortunate. I think that's, and I, so it was a way of congratulating, acknowledging this character that was in me, that that took those steps. Yeah. Um, but it also represented, I mean, who was that character? That character was formed through th good therapist, th through therapy, through my general practitioner, through some of my friends. So it's made up of all these other people that created that character too. Kind so, of the support that you, that you amassed, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. You, um, so taking a step back for a moment, um, I've mm. read a little bit about your background, and um, your background might suggest um, a man who wouldn't necessarily um, be depressed and, and, and anxious. If I remember right, um, you were a civil rights, a human rights lawyer. You were reaching out. You were helping others. Um, it, would you agree? Like that I, I, I was surprised and blindsided by by depression and anxiety, or is it something that's plagued you your whole life? How did this evolve? I mean, no, I thought I was definitely not. Depression wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't be, didn't believe I had it. Never thought I would get it. Had this arrogant conviction that if it sort of came knocking, I would just send it home. That I'd be able to to deal with it. I wouldn't let myself get depressed. We can just will um, it away, yep. huh? Just it's not going to happen yep. to me. Yes. I'm a strong person. I'm a helper. I help others. And this will never happen to me. And I remember interviewing some people for a, a video I was making on mental health. And I was very sympathetic with the people. But I was also this little voice in the back of my head was saying, yeah, I wouldn't. It's very sad, but I couldn't get that. I wouldn't get that. Yes. So yes. I was, you know, you know, that was my... So when I got it, when I got depression and I couldn't will it away and I couldn't, you know, what did I do? I couldn't, I was just so full of shame and um, and ignorance and lost any helping skills or ability. And I just ended up running, running away from everyone and hoping that I could sort of try and deal with it on my own, quietly get better and then come back and pick up my life as it was. But it wasn't that easy. Depression was uh, way stronger than that and needed to turn me completely upside down. Yes. Before I even had, you know, the humility to get acknowledge that I had it and to get some help. And you know, it took the, a long time. The shame around depression and anxiety is always fascinating to me. It's part of the reason I chose to create this podcast and call it Undue Anxiety because I feel like we suffer this shame um, in silence unnecessarily. I think, and, and I think men do it more than women. Um, thinking like this is some fundamental weakness that I should just be able to organically overcome as opposed to reach out and seek the help of others. Um, would, would you agree with that conceptualization? Mm. Yeah, totally. And in my travels with the book, I'm meeting so many men who have lived with depression for like all their life and yeah. have never got, never gone to therapy, have never got, talked to their, to their doctors, um, are just suffering and it's just very sad to see that, but I can understand why it happens because that's, you know, I did that myself. Right, right. Yeah. So how did you get to the point where you really felt like, okay, this is at the point where I need to seek help. I need to reach outside of myself and, you know, um, and find that humility within to, you know, open up to somebody and let them know what I'm suffering and see if they can help me through. Well, I was a bit like a clam, really. I opened and shut, opened and shut for a long time. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. So I could one day I saw myself being physically really sick and unable to function normally. And I thought, well, this is this is not good. You need to go and see your doctor about it. So I go and see a doctor. But then I don't tell my doctor that I'm actually going for the reason of because I'm feeling depressed. <laughs> I made up some. I made up some other story. So, you know, and the doctor told me I was depressed and I needed to do certain things and I closed up again. He sent me to a psychiatrist and he wrote a report saying, you know, textbook major depression, you need to do this. And I closed up again. 
and I, like, I remember reading his report and I thought I was – I really believed that I was reading a report about a client of mine. Really? There was so much, so much denial. Yeah. There was so much denial going on in my head that – and this process of um, opening and shutting quickly went on for years. And it wasn't until I realized it, you know, until I had this moment where I looked back and thought, you've run out of options. You've gone to every alternative therapist practice trying to diagnose individual symptoms, you know, somatic problems. You've you've traveled the, you know, you've gone to, you know, four corners of the earth trying to find somebody who would give you a pill, a remedy, a herb, right. a therapy, a something, which is some magical magic dust. The nice quick fix, get, right? Yes. Yep. You'll get better and you'll go back. And so when I basically ran out of options and I was still sick, I got in touch with a really, just by chance, got in touch with a really good therapist. And I started the process of you know going to her every week and twice a week originally for some time and actually facing the fact that I, that I had depression and I needed to start the process of getting well. Right. Um, so, yeah. And I took some medication, which wasn't traditional medication. I still had a real, real issues around that. But it was medi- It was a form of medication which did give me a little bit of support. I think oh. that gave me, gave me a bit of support to get to therapy. And then the therapy and the medication then started to actually give me a bit of energy to think better, plan better, start to move, start to eat, start to just start to put in place some good self-help practices and that started to build um, to build some strength and when you see that then you build a little bit more and and you you start to what I call build your own recover I built my own recovery sort of block by block which is to me this was a really powerful um, way of seeing it and I think and the more I saw it the more I realized that I actually just needed to keep going with this you know I could see the results it's so inspired. There's a couple things I like about what you're saying here. One is that conceptualization of how to use medication when you are suffering anxiety and depression. Because I think, um, at least here in the States, I'll say, um, we sometimes pitch medication too often as the fix. This is the, your final answer. This is what you're going to be doing. Um, Whereas I like to look at medication as facilitating the therapy. In other words, getting you to the place, kind of creating a bottom for the sadness and for the depth of the depression and the intensity of the wolves of the anxiety, (laughs) if we can calm them down and slow them down a little bit so that we can actually have the discussions we need to have. But I'm most inspired by this idea that you kind of created your own healing, right? You know, through this kind of organic method um, where journaling, if I remember right, uh, in reading about your story was was part of your therapy. Do you mind speaking to that a little bit? Yeah, no, journaling was so important. Um, journaling and uh, recording my moods morning, noon, and night, that was hugely powerful to sort of objectify what was going on in my life. So instead of it just swirling around in my head and my memory and my ability to really see what was going on being very impaired. You know, I wrote about it. I expressed it in poems and prose and little and little comments, observations. 
and I plotted my mood chart. And I noted things when it went up and noted things when it went down. So instead of catastrophizing about the, the downs, it was just like, well, that's interesting. Look what I did then yesterday. I did that and that happened. My mood went way down. Or the positive ones, you know. Well, look, yesterday I was up here. What did I do? Ah, I went and saw a good friend and we had a really neat conversation and I felt so much better. And then I slept better. And then the next day I was able to get up and go to the pool because I had a bit of motivation. And so you look back and you think, wow. So you build on that. And that was, it was great to see. And so my journal became my really, you know, while I wasn't still open enough to talk about what was going on to a lot of people or to anybody, to be honest, apart from my therapist. Right. I could talk, I could talk very honestly to my, to my journal. And I hadn't, I'd never written before. I was a, a technical writer. You know, my background was law. Right. And I was, I was just pouring my thoughts and my feelings out on paper. And it was really cathartic, as you say. It was, it was really valuable. It sounds cathartic and it sounds like revelatory in a way. Like, you know, I, what I love about journaling is that you, you find these patterns in your thoughts and your behaviors that you, you didn't know were there and are kind of there in plain sight. But once you start writing and reflecting on the nature of your day, um, you realize, oh, this is what drives a better mood in me. This is what makes me, you know, more depressed. And, you know, and, and it's such an underutilized therapeutic tool um, that I'm so glad to hear that this is part of, of your journey. Did your journals inspire plot points in your, in your book at all? Uh, yes, I had, had a lot of journals when I came to write the book. It was like I had a box of journals. Um, some sadly I'd thrown away thinking I don't want to read these ever again. <laughs> but I kept most of them. Um, and so, and, and it, it definitely did ins inspire things in the book. It made me – it was quite hard to go back to them and see where I was at, at times. Right. I, you know, it's it's not an easy process writing a book that takes years when you have to go keep going back to where you were depressed. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily advise it as a way of <laughs> getting well. Um, I was very pleased that I had a lot of support through my therapist as I wrote it, and yeah. the book became part part of the therapy process. She was very smart and not letting me hide behind the book. Or now I'm well and I'm an author. It was very much the book is part of therapy, Brent. You know, it's like. He's nowhere to run, so that was good. Um, <laughs> that accountability so, piece, we, we, we can't underrate that, right? I mean, it's really important to hold yourself accountable because we tend to take these end-arounds, like, okay, now I'm an author and I'm a guru and I speak about how to overcome depression and anxiety instead of being in the process and doing the work, right? You know, like there's, there is that risk that you run. Totally. And the book took four years to make. Wow. It was panel by panel. I worked with the artist and we created it <clears throat> very slowly. And that four years was it, was it was a really important part of my healing right to, the, right to today. It just doesn't stop. So the launching has become part of my healing now. The talking about it is part of my healing. It's just one long process. And I never felt that I was well and writing as a well person to people who are unwell. I was constantly writing to myself and helping myself get well. And it's and sure, I've published it to help others, 
but it's almost like I get surprised every time I get a letter come in and saying, hey, thanks, it did this for me or that for nothing. <laughs> Is that right? Wow. It's yeah, surprising. that's interesting. Especially when an 86-year-old writes and the mother of a nine-year-old writes um, about how it's impacted on her nine-year-old. And I'm thinking, wow. And all I did was just write about my own story, my own experience, and tried to keep it as honest and truthful as possible to help myself. Um so, you know, that in itself is quite, I'm still quite amazed and surprised. But just to go back to journaling, there's one thing that I found interesting. When I was lying in bed and feeling particularly depressed in the morning, because I didn't sleep well, so I'd wake up more exhausted than I went to bed, I would, what got me out of bed was to write in my journal. Wow. And I would just, I remember just dragging myself to this little desk, which was near my bed, and I'd pick up my pen and I'd think, I have nothing to say. I am too exhausted. There's nothing I can write about. What on earth am I going to say? So I would start with that. And I would say exactly that. I would write, I'm too exhausted to write. I feel utterly. And then something else would take over. And another word would come out. And then a line. And then the second line. Before I know it, I've written three pages. Wow. And I'm feeling like, wow, where did that come from? And then I would say, okay, now I can get up and I can go and have a wash and I can have some breakfast and I can start my day. So, you know, it was just something which got the wheels going. You know, it's just started that process of life again. And it was all about expressing, just expressing something that was in me that needed to come out. Yeah, I was going to use the word creativity, but expression feels more accurate somehow. Yeah, I think we have to express, and we have to express whatever everyone's got the ability to express. Mm-hmm. They're maybe not they're not all writers, but everyone can dance. Everyone yeah. can literally, well, most people can dance. Yeah, sure, some people can't, um, who are unable to move their bodies if they're paralyzed or something tragic. Sure. Sure. But, um, you know, you don't have to be a writer to write. You don't have to be a dancer to, to dance. And it's 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 our birthright. We have these abilities to do these things, you know, to talk, to move, to dance, to write. Yes. But when you're depressed or anxious, you you lose that faith, and you know you get shut down. You're you're held down. You you're constricted, bound, hemmed in. All those things, and they're all against that form of expression. Really, it's all about stopping you express. That's something that's something that I feel like you are are trying to express in the book is that you know we um, almost culturally don't have a real good grasp of what depression is, what anxiety feels like. And so you know part of the um, I loved um, the the illustrations, which are just not just gorgeous, but they really convey a certain feeling that, captures what what my clients tell me depression feels like what i know for a fact from my own experience anxiety feels like um and it it, it seems to me that part of what you're doing and i don't know if this is with deliberate or not is clearing up misconceptions about the idea that that depression is kind of this one-dimensional sadness or something like that you know it feels like you are kind of clarifying for the reader the complexity of these um, difficulties, these challenges. Yeah, I mean, when I was depressed, I had some of the most um, life-changing experiences mm-hmm. that were brilliant and have informed my life and have changed my life. 
um, like the outer body experience I had, um, I I danced. I played the piano when I was depressed. I mean, yes, depression doesn't. Yes, at times I was curled up in a ball crying in sure. my bed, but other times I was doing these other things and still depressed. But I really questioned that myself. I said, "How can I have a scene of me dancing?" This is a book about depression, you know. <laughs> right? How could you be? That but, is incongruous you know, somehow. That's true. Yeah. Yes. But you, you, you know, I had this sensitivity that made music exquisite. That made some experiences exquisite. When I got well and was leaving depression behind, I felt like this real sadness that I was leaving. Was I going to leave this behind? Did I want to leave this behind? <laughs> You know, did I really want to go and back into the world? But I'm very fortunate that I took those experiences with me, and my life is not the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's I'm very grateful for that. I've integrated those the good things that I've learned and the things I've learned, and I've lived. I now live quite a different life than how I lived, one that's more healthy, self-sustaining, which is good. Oh, it feels. It, but it, yes, yeah. Yeah, it took, right. I can tell it took a lot of work, and if I understand you right, it's it's ongoing work. Um, so for our listeners who who are suffering or love somebody who is suffering anxiety and or depression, um, is do, do you have a word of advice about what was most helpful to you in terms of your process of healing, your ongoing process of healing? Well, I think getting help is important. There are yeah. two illnesses that are really difficult to face on your own because they are the illnesses which which affect and damage your brain so like you know if you had been in a car accident and had serious concussion and were struggling with daily activities you know you know you, that person would need help they yes. would need a lot of care and nurturing and rebuilding their life and going to rehab and well depression's no different right you know you have to go through all that you have to go through a period of healing you can't just jump into the into um, exercise or um, you know to necessarily or you know you need or to go cheeriness, through this whole just as a, like immediate cheery yeah. like yes attitude right yeah yeah think positive you know the I remember when I was depressed there was this it was the height of the positive thinking um, revolution and they made me so angry. <laughs> you know, Is that right? you see these little simple smiley icons on books saying, you know, happiness or 10 steps to happiness and things. And it's just, yeah, you need to get there with help. You need to get there slowly and you need to get there bit by bit and building up things which work for you. And everyone's a little bit different, although there are some things we know help people. Certainly moving, getting sunlight, getting good food, breathing properly, being around good people, sure. sleeping pro sleeping properly, connecting with nature. I mean, these are basic human things which we're all built to, to, to do. We can't forget those. But the nuances within those and how you do them is quite individual. And you need to find what's right for you mm -hmm. and to do it with good, with good help and good support. And if you're getting help and it's not working, then you've got to try somebody else. Um, you know, you've got to get the right person. It took me a while. Yeah, you know, I don't think you can understate that point, right? I mean, if you if you feel like there isn't a strong, trusting connection, a loving connection between yourself and the person you're working with, I think that it's very, very difficult to um, really expose yourself and let and let yourself be known. 
on this deep, deep level. Um, so I, 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 to, to, to that point, I, I agree entirely. Um, because mm. to do superficial work here is um, just postpones the, 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 any healing um, mm. of the pain. I, I loved the depiction, this idea that depression is there's a richness to it that you're describing, you know, that you danced when you were depressed, you felt when you were depressed, that it wasn't just this um, awful experience, even though it, it, it is difficult, obviously, to, to, to suffer for a prolonged period. Um, and, uh, and I assume you would say the same for anxiety. I know I would for my anxiety that I would, I, I don't know that I would have the tools in my life if I had not had some anxiety and still have. Um, suffer some anxiety. Um, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think part of the important thing that you're doing here is in telling your story and sharing your story, you're helping people overcome the stigmas and the misconceptions around all of this stuff. And by, by sharing your story in a literally graphic way, um, I, I, I think it, it's, um, well, I'll tell you that just my experience of it, and I have not, I've not finished, <laughs> but I'm still anxious to hear how, how this ends, but, but I, yeah. I, I found it to be cathartic just, just um, in, in, in reading what I've read and in, in looking at the images, which I really find myself lingering on for a long period of time. Your illustrator is brilliant. Um, and so I just want you to know that I'm grateful for the work that you've done. And I suspect that, that your readers have benefited quite a bit. I'm not surprised you've gotten positive feedback here. Mm, thank you, John. Yeah. 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 So um, what's next for you? What, you know, so, so you, um, you have had this kind of um, rich and interesting background where your, your, your background is in law now you are, um, I, whether you want to be or not, you are this self-help guru, um, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> right? Uh, um, not a title I'm wanting at the moment. but Right. Anyway, yeah. I would imagine that. But, but, but how are you now and, and where do you think you're headed from here? Well, I'm, I'm so much stronger. Um, I finally feel I've shaken off the long tail of depression, which even though I knew I'd shifted out of depression because you could really see it. It was such a physical – it's like – I describe it in the book as like going through a force field mm. where you could – I just saw myself go from this point to this point. I thought, oh, my goodness. You know, the world is very different and feeling it. Um, but I still had a long tail of exhaustion. And it limited me in how what I could do, and that's I'm sure is the anxiety too kicking in um, or remaining. So um, I feel now that um, the best thing I've done is publish the book, is to stand up in front of my family, friends, and colleagues who I just disappeared out of their lives, literally just walked out, left everything behind because because I couldn't cope. And I've come back and said, this is what I've had. This is where I've been. And um, it's just given me some, some really good strength, and it's just come at a time where my body physically has decided it's, you know, it's come back to a good, um, stable form without the lingering anxiety, which without the lingering depression. But I'm still prone to anxiety, um, and I always will be. 
that's not but I don't get it doesn't completely um, you know fell me like it used to because I know it so know it so well I know what I need to do so it pops up and when I'm doing things which I'm I'm really pushing myself um, and I quickly say to myself okay what do you need and I literally do that I have a conversation with myself out aloud Brent you're spinning out what do you need to do and it's usually the same old stuff you need to go to the swimming pool and have a swim you need to go and get some good, healthy food in a nice place like a whole food shop or organic shop. You need to go and sit in a park and eat and go for a walk. And, you know, within within an hour, I can, a couple of hours, I can be a different person. And I, so I'm just so, so aware of what I need to do to get myself – so it's not avoiding life. And it's not, you know, I still make mistakes and I still do things which I shouldn't necessarily be doing to get myself anxious. But um, so I'm not running around scared of life, but and I think partly because I know that if I get it, it's okay. There's the old anxiety again. Okay, what do we do? What do we need to do right now? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the biggest thing which I haven't mentioned is breathing. Is just and what what allows me to have that conversation with myself and to see a, a way out is to breathe. It just takes me a couple of. So a little bit of awareness to see that I'm not breathing properly. I'm breathing right up here in my chest. And and I just breathe deeply, a couple of breaths, and I'm going, okay, now I can make decisions which, which help me. And so the breath for me has always been and still is this way back to um, I call reality, really. Yes, right. Rather than anxiety, which is not reality. It is your reality, but it's an unpleasant reality. <laughs> Back to a place where I feel grounded and feel able to cope with situations, cope with difficulties in life. It's not all going to be good, but the breath leads me to make, you know, to cope, to deal with it, and to to get on with looking after myself. Yes, and and, and the breath is so wildly underestimated because um, we forget. We forget so readily to breathe deeply. And I love this idea that anxiety will be part of your life, but you know what to do. And all you have to do is remind yourself, oh yeah, mm. take that swim, take that walk in the park and you'll, mm. and you'll regulate. Um, it, it's, it's a yeah. lovely notion. Um, Brent, I Whereas so- before I would get the symptoms and I would start panicking about the symptoms and then it would go into a full blown panic attack sure. and then I would be out of control for quite some time. So the breath just straight away dials it down, calms your brain down, and, and gives you that you know that ability to to look after yourself. Yeah. And I hope my my listeners are just listening to the cadence of your voice because there's something about you and your presence and the way you're talking about this that is calming. And um, and I find Thank myself you. like you know I'm in the midst of a busy day and I'm like I'm just it's nice to be here with Brent just right now right here. <laughs> um, and part of that is that uh, I enjoy I enjoy kind. that presence. Um, so. Um, so if, um, if one of our readers uh, or our, our listeners here wants to um, learn more about you, wants to read Out of the Woods, um, where do they go? How do they find you? Um, what, what would you recommend in terms of uh, getting in touch with you or, or purchasing your book? Well, it's on, um, it's, it's, you can buy it online in the usual online places. And I've got a distributor in the U.S., which is, which is very good. Um, and hopefully it'll be in some bookshops if I can, but I'm just a small publisher from New Zealand. It's not that easy to get into the, 
into the high streets of, of um, your cities. But right. anyway. But it's, it's on Amazon.com, which yep. is very egalitarian. Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I have got a website, um, and there's a little bit more about the book and the making of the book there. Um, there's a couple of things, a couple of radio interviews I've done. So I'm not very good on social media, but I'll, I'll slowly build it up. Um, and that's uh, – can I give you the website address for that? Would, Is that please. okay? Um, so it's www.outofthewoods, all one word, .co.nz. So I encourage – actually, I, I encourage people to um, have a look at Brent's website there. Um, would you mind giving it out one more time here, Brent? Sure. So it's um, outofthewoods.co.nz. Got it. And um, it, it, just just to see how Brent worked with um, your your illustrator and um, and and kind of came up with the, some of the concepts for the book and to see a few pages out of the book and how beautiful they are um, might uh, might entice you to to delve a little bit deeper. Um, Brent Williams, I am very grateful for you uh, for taking the time here. Uh, thank you for joining me here today. Thank you, John. It's been a delight to be on your show. Really it's cool. been a thank delight you. to talk to you. Um, folks, this is the Undo Anxiety Podcast. As you might know, you're going to be able to find us on iTunes and Podbean and Stitcher and WGN+. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, give me a quick email at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. As always, I appreciate your time. And, um, and uh, on behalf of Brent and myself, um, thank you so much. And I will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.